Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. And we're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. Just wanna make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you can find out more information about who we are and where we're headed as a church. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. While Jesus was on the earth, he walked with 12 men. And in the days leading up to his crucifixion, in an upper room, he gave those 12 men a practice that you and I know as the Lord's Supper. Here's a question that I've been thinking about this week in preparation for this morning. Why did Jesus choose that point in time to give those disciples that practice? The reality is Jesus could have chosen any moment in his earthly ministry, but he chose the moments before his arrest, when he was beaten, when he was crucified, And when he was buried. In other words, just before things appeared to be out of control to his disciples, Jesus gave them the Lord's Supper. I mean, he could have chosen in that moment to create another Sermon on the Mount experience, but he didn't. He could have chosen in that moment to perform another miracle, to leave people in awe. Of his power. But he didn't. Why did Jesus choose those precious moments before things were going to appear to be out of control? Why did he choose that moment to give his disciples this practice? Well, I believe there are several reasons, but one of the reasons that Jesus wanted to give his disciples this practice at that point in time was so it would serve as an anchor for them during the difficult days that they were about to walk through. This service um, with us celebrating the Lord's Supper was planned about a year ago. But I believe there is incredible application today for us in light of what is going on in our nation. Our nation is hurting today. Our nation is facing numerous challenges. And I believe that makes what we're doing today even more appropriate because we are engaging in a practice that is going to anchor us around what matters the most. You see, I believe that the gospel can bring about the change we need in our country and our world. And the gospel should not be our last effort. It should be our first priority. You see, I believe our nation needs healing. 
And the gospel brings about healing. I believe our nation needs peace and the gospel brings peace. I believe our nation needs to experience reconciliation. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel that reconciles. It should be of first priority for us as the people of God. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians when he was talking about this message of the gospel. He said, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So for us, because the cross of Christ is significant and is of first importance at hope when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, which we celebrated about three to four times a year, every time we celebrate it, we build the entire gather time around it. Because our conviction is that this practice is not just a flippant ritual that should be tagged on to the end of a service. If we're going to engage in the Lord's Supper, we need to do so with all of our focus and our whole heart engaged in that moment. And today, that's what we're going to do. So if you have a Bible, would you look with me at Mark chapter 14? In just a moment, I'm going to begin reading in verse 22. And we're going to read Mark's account of Jesus giving his disciples... The Lord's Supper. But before we read this text today, there's a biblical principle about the Lord's Supper that's very, very significant that I want all of us to be clear on this morning. And here's the principle the Lord's Supper is symbolic. You see, this ordinance given to us by Jesus is a picture. In the Gospels, as you study the teachings of Jesus, here's what you find. You find Jesus using figurative language. Jesus would say things like, I'm the vine, or I am light, or I am the good shepherd, or I am the gate. Now, when he said those things, he was not meaning that he was literally a vine, or light, or shepherd, or a gate. He was using figurative language to communicate a spiritual lesson. And on this night that we're about to read about in Mark chapter 14, he would take that approach to teaching to an entirely new level. Because here's what he's going to do around the table with his disciples. He's going to take a piece of bread and he's going to break it. He's going to take a cup of juice and it's going to be poured out. And he's going to say to them, this bread represents, it's a symbol of my body that's going to be broken. And this this juice, this wine that's being poured out, it represents my blood that is going to be spilled. Jesus gave us the Lord's Supper as a symbol, as a picture. But God can use it to drastically impact us as Jesus followers. And I love what J.C. Ryle said when he was talking about the Lord's Supper. He said this, The benefit of the Lord's Supper depends entirely on the spirit and frame of mind in which we receive it. The bread which we eat and the juice which we drink have no power to do good to our souls as medicine does to our bodies without the cooperation 
of our hearts and wills. They will not convey any blessing to us by virtue of the minister's consecration if we do not receive them rightly, worthily, and with faith. There are a lot of people who want to have a lot of different discussions around the Lord's Supper. And here's what they want to talk about. They want to talk about the when and the how. And unfortunately, the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about the when and the how. Here's the summary. When speaking of when, the Bible says as often as you do it. When speaking of how, the Bible says first the bread and then the juice. But even though the Bible doesn't say a lot about when and how, the Bible speaks in depth as to the why as it relates to this practice we're going to celebrate today. So look with me at Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 22. While they, meaning Jesus and his disciples, were eating, he took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take it, this is my body. And when he had taken the cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. What I want to do very quickly out of this text is I want to share with you three statements. And I hope that these statements will clarify for us as Jesus followers how we should approach the Lord's Supper today. Here's the first statement. This is an opportunity to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. This moment that we have today, it's, it's a chance for us to really consider, to meditate on, to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. When Paul was writing about the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians, he said, As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of Christ. The word remembrance is a word picture that is really the idea of a memorial. What is it that you do when you visit a memorial? You call back to mind something that happened in the past. And I believe there are two aspects of Jesus' death, his sacrifice, that we need to remember today as we engage in the Lord's Supper. And here's the first one. We remember that his body was broken. We remember that his body was broken. Today, one of the realities we must dwell on is that God took on human flesh and dwelt among us. God, through the person of Jesus, was 100% man and 100% God. He lived a perfect life and went to the cross as a substitute for the sins of humanity. In Isaiah 53, we read about what actually that looked like. Isaiah 53 says this, He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him 
the sins of us all. Jesus, through the cross, took on all the punishment for sin. This punishment was physical. It was psychological. He felt the very wrath of God and the payment that had to be paid so that sin could be dealt with. Jesus also, through this punishment, experienced abandonment. And what he felt in those moments, there is no way that you and I can ever imagine what it must have been like. Donald McLeod said this, He stands where no one has stood before or since, enduring at one tiny point in space and time all that sin deserved. May we realize today the magnitude of the cross of Jesus. But may we also realize today that even though God will convict us as his children for the sin that is in our lives, we will never experience the punishment of sin because all of that was absorbed by Christ. The second aspect of Jesus' death that we need to remember today is we remember that his blood was spilled. In verse 23, the Bible says, And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, and they drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant. You see, the disciples were very familiar with the covenant, with the law. And the law said, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. And Jesus, here in this moment with his disciples, looks at them and says, I'm establishing something new. A new covenant. William Barclay wrote about this. He said, what did he mean when he said that the cup stood for a new covenant? The word means something like an arrangement, a bargain, a relationship. The covenant was entirely dependent on Israel keeping the law. If the law was broken, the covenant was broken, and the relationship between God and the nation shattered. But Jesus says, I'm introducing and ratifying a new covenant, a new kind of relationship between God and man. And it is not dependent on law. It is dependent on the blood that I will shed. That is to say, it is dependent solely on love. This is an opportunity to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. But secondly, this is an opportunity to proclaim the message of Jesus. This is a moment today for us to proclaim the message of Jesus. In verse 24, the second part of it, Jesus said, speaking of this new covenant, which is poured out for many. You see, he said these words to just a room full of people. But when he inserted this word, many, Jesus breathed a promise into them that a movement was coming. And as you and I participate today in the Lord's Supper, we are giving a testimony. We are proclaiming this message that we worship Jesus, trust Jesus, need Jesus, and follow Jesus. You see, this supper anchors us around the life 
life-changing message of the gospel. We've not been given a message of self-help, prosperity, or pop psychology. We've been transformed by the life-changing message of Jesus. D.L. Moody was a famous preacher, teacher, and he was asked one time, if you could only use one verse to teach the gospel, what verse would you use? He said, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He, meaning God the Father, made him, God the Son, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This message that we proclaim today, this message that we celebrate today, can reconcile God and humanity as well as humanity with, with each other. This message declares that humanity can have access to God. We can be in right relationship with God and we can also be in right relationship with one another. The gospel removes the barrier of sin between us and God. And as the gospel penetrates our hearts, I believe walls of hostility and violence come crashing down. So we have an opportunity today to remember, to give a testimony, to proclaim, and lastly, this is an opportunity to celebrate the promise of Jesus. He said in verse 25, Truly I say to you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. You see, this is not just a memorial for us to remember that he died. It is a celebration that he is alive and he is coming again. Because you see, there is a day coming when this memorial supper will transition to a marriage supper. And what we know now by faith, we will experience by sight. And there will be a gathering around the throne of God. And in the book of Revelation, John is actually writing about that day. And just with everything happening this week, I just went and read through some of the chapters in Revelation to think about this beautiful promise that one day the peoples of the earth will gather around the throne. Listen to what John wrote in Revelation chapter 7. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people, and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. And they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God, who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. I hope today as we celebrate that the reality of the promise that the kingdom of God is going to be established and our king is the king of kings, and our Lord is the Lord of lords, will resonate in your heart as we walk through the Lord's Supper this morning. So that's our opportunity. It's an opportunity to remember his sacrifice, to proclaim his message, and to celebrate his promise. But before we engage in that today. There's, there's another teaching in the scripture 
It's really important because the Bible says before you observe the Lord's Supper that we need to do something. The Bible says that we need to examine ourselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says, But a man must examine himself. And in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And from my perspective, that's a very serious warning. And it tells me that it is possible to dishonor God with the very practice he gave us to remember and celebrate his love. And so as we prepare for a time of celebrating the Lord's Supper, I want us to take a few moments right now and just have a time to examine. Pastor Teddy's going to come and begin to play for us, but there are really two areas that I believe we must examine today. We must check our hearts on today before we participate in the Lord's Supper. And here's the first one. We should examine our relationship with God. We should examine our relationship with God. We need to think about questions like this. Do I know God? Do I have a relationship with God? Is knowing Him the ultimate pursuit of my life? Am I growing in my relationship with God? Is there anything in my life that is not right with God? We need to examine our hearts today as it relates to our relationship with God. But secondly, we should examine our relationship with others. We should examine our relationship with other people. The first one is vertical. This one is horizontal. Questions that we need to wrestle with are questions like, am I putting priority on my relationship with other people? Is there anything between me and a brother or sister in Christ that I need to make right? Am I demonstrating humility to other people in a way that is honoring to Jesus? Do I value the community of faith that I'm a part of? In response to the scripture and the warning we see there in 1 Corinthians, we must examine our relationship with God as well as our relationship with other people. So I want to ask our table hosts if you would go ahead and move now. Let me tell you what's about to happen here. All around the room, we have some different stations that are set up. And our hosts are moving into place to prepare to serve you the Lord's Supper. And in just a moment, there are a lot of things that are about to happen. We call it worship chaos. But let me tell you what that means. There are four things we're about to do. We're going to have a time of examination, intercession, worship, and praise. Let me tell you what that means. When we say examination, it's a time to examine your heart to see if there's anything that you need to lay 
before Jesus at the foot of the cross. Maybe it's unconfessed sin. Maybe it's a spiritual burden. Maybe it's a lost family member or friend. Maybe it's a broken relationship or a rebellious child. We want to have those moments to examine. Secondly, intercession. We're going to have some pastors here at the front. And maybe today you want somebody to pray for you. Maybe you need to be saved today. We would love to share with you how you can come to know Jesus. Maybe you have a burden that's so heavy that you just you want a pastor or a prayer volunteer just to, just to put their arm on your shoulder and pray for you. Maybe you have a situation with your job or your family or your health or that's financially related and you just want somebody to pray for you. We're going to be here to do that. It's a time of intercession. Thirdly, we're going to have a time of worship. Through the elements of the Lord's Supper, we are going to worship Jesus and remember all that he accomplished for us through the cross. That's what these stations are for. We have four here along the front. We have three along the back. And these hosts are there to serve you the Lord's Supper today as an act of worship. And then lastly, praise. When you've finished your time of examination, intercession, and worship through the Lord's Supper, we want to invite you to go back to your seat and to praise. Our team's going to lead us in a few songs. And together as a family, united around the gospel and proclaiming that Jesus is our King, we're going to lift His name up in this place today. So I want to pray for us. And after I conclude that prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand and you can just begin to move. You want to go to the station that's closest to you all around this room. And we're going to have some time today to celebrate together. So let me pray for us. Lord, we recognize the preciousness of these moments. God, this is not just a ritual that we want to check off the list. Lord, this is something you gave to us to remember, to proclaim, and to celebrate. And Lord, today we desire to do that. Lord, I pray for those people that are examining their hearts right now. And God, you've put your finger on something. I pray they wouldn't just blow by that. I pray you would give us a sensitivity to your voice this morning. And that we would respond in obedience to what you're saying. Lord, for those people who are just struggling right now, Lord, as we had so many in the 9 o'clock service, God, I pray that this would be moments when pastors are praying for people, when believers are praying for other believers, when small group leaders are praying for people in their small group. God, I pray that we would intercede on behalf of one another during these moments. Lord, I pray at every table as we worship through the Lord's Supper, God, you'd, you'd move, you'd speak, you'd challenge, you'd change You'd encourage. And God, as we lift you up in this place through song, I pray that it would be a sweet aroma to you as we lift up the name of Jesus. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name.